Welcome to Tuesday on the Pure Opelka Podcast. It's Mike here. Thanks for uh, hanging out. If uh, you downloaded or shared the podcast recently, thank you. We're starting to see the numbers go up, and we appreciate it each and every time we see that happen. And it wouldn't happen without you. Where do we even begin today? Oh, the news about Fauci. The Fauci news. Do we really care Is it really going to matter? Well, I'll be glad that we won't be paying him the overblown salary. He's the highest paid federal employee in the entire country. I'll be glad we're not paying him, but we're still going to pay him a uh, pension of about $300,000, $350,000 a year. So there won't be any telethons for Dr. Fauci. He initially told us he had planned on retiring from public life in January of 2024. No, it was 2025 because he wanted to be out of Washington when presumably a new president that would likely be a Republican would take over because it would threaten him with all kinds of attention he doesn't like. But by announcing his retirement from the leadership at the NIH, he's not actually leaving. He's going to take on what he calls a mentorship role. So Fauci will still have his hands in things. But by by leaving, I guess he thought he was going to avoid being asked or forced to testify before congressional hearings if and when the Republicans take over. And it looks like that's still a strong possibility. Senator John Kennedy of Louisiana, one of our favorites on this podcast, uh, Senator John Kennedy of Louisiana talking about Dr. Fauci and what he can expect. Dr. Fauci, retirement or not, is going to be spending a lot of time in front of a congressional committee and committees if Republicans take back control. We're going to ask him questions about gain-of-function research, why he didn't push back on China's lies. We're going to have a lot of questions, and, and we're going to subpoena him and expect him to answer. I hope so. I hope you will subpoena the hell out of him, and I hope you will also press him if he chooses to avoid, as he did, it's, uh, I guess, two summers ago when Jim Jordan held the hearing. Maybe it was one summer ago, August. Jim Jordan held the hearing asking about the gain-of-function research and the email chain. That was discovered, but Dr. Fauci blocked it, didn't show up. He was too busy over at MSNBC because, you know, they love him over there. They love him a lot. And they like him at CNN, too. Here's a, here's a clip montage of Dr. Fauci getting a lot of love from MSNBC and CNN, etc. And from Fauci, you know, attacking the rest of us. Because he's science, right? Should people now cancel their travel plans for Christmas? To the extent possible, don't travel, don't congregate together. I don't think we'd ever should ever shake hands ever again. I think the idea of taking masks off, in my mind, is, is really not something we should even be considering. It is, as we've said, a pandemic and an outbreak of the unvaccinated. If you are trying to, you know, get at me as a public health official and a scientist, you're really attacking not only Dr. Anthony Fauci, you're attacking science. Yes, you're attacking science if you attack Dr. Anthony Fauci. Because he is science, after all. 
even though science has told us it's kind of retiring and moving into a new role, which we welcome. Just get out. But just because you're leaving before the next Congress begins doesn't mean <laughs> doesn't mean you avoid being invited. And yeah, I'm using uh, air quotes with my fingers. Being invited to come testify. And I hope they really press them on this one. Uh, we'll get around to it. There's going to be a lot more on Dr. Fauci. Trust me. Uh, also, speaking of the mainstream media, remember how they fell in love with Liz Cheney after she became an anti-Trumper? Remember how excited the left side of the mainstream media was when Liz Cheney, a um, person who says they are a Republican, went after Donald Trump and made it her life mission, her obsession, to take down Donald Trump? Well, expect the same kind of love and adulation for Mitch McConnell after Mitch McConnell came out and was uh, doubtful about the GOP's chances to take back the Senate. And Mitch made that comment about the, the character of the candidates or the quality of the candidates. And now maybe he's going to be forced to walk that back because we're starting to see some of the polling data. After all, it's still August. The election season really kicks in after Labor Day. But now we're seeing the polls tightening in Nevada, in Pennsylvania, in Ohio, and maybe even in Wisconsin. So maybe Mitch McConnell's going to have to recant his statement. But the mainstream media's already fallen in love with Mitch. They're swooning over Mitch McConnell. Listen. I can't believe I'm saying this, but Mitch McConnell is right. Mitch McConnell is right about candidate quality. I agree with Mitch McConnell. can't believe I'm saying this. I agree with him that the quality of candidate really does matter much more. Yeah, it does. And that's why I like Dr. Oz in Pennsylvania a lot more than I like John Fetterman. It's also why I like uh, the, uh, the candidate in uh, Ohio. What's that guy's name? He's a big Trump guy. A.J. Vance over Ryan, the congressman who's now sounding or trying to sound like a Trumper. It's fascinating to me what they will do and how disingenuous the left can be. We will keep an eye on it. We will update. As I said, the real season begins after Labor Day, the real election push towards the midterms. Uh, yesterday, there was also some major league spin. You know, we had that survey that showed that uh, 74% of Americans believe we're going the wrong direction. And it's been that way in the 70s for a couple of months now. Chuck Todd was freaked out about it on, um, on Sunday on Meet the Press. And yesterday on MSNBC, they had a panel that included Yamish Al Sindor an award-winning journalist. Yeah, I'm making air quotes with my fingers. An award-winning journalist who claims she has done some interviewing of the, the people on the streets of America and looked deep into this uh, poll, which shows that only 35% of us think our best days are ahead and almost 60% believes America's future, the best America, is already done. But almost 75% think... Uh, we're on the wrong track. That can't be good for Democrats because they have total control. But Yamiche Alcindor found the real reason, the real reason that 
74% of Americans think that we're on the wrong track. And it has nothing to do with Biden and the Democrats. It has everything to do with a guy named Donald John Trump. Jose, it's a great question. And I've been out on the campaign trail. I'm in Alabama just today talk, doing some stories about sort of redistricting and the and the political atmosphere in this state. But what you see really is on the Democratic side, people that are very, very worried about the direction of this country. They're very worried, especially about former President Trump possibly coming back into power or former President Trump or, or another Republican stealing the election in 2022 or 2024. Whoa. So this award-winning journalist now claims that the 74% of America is fearful that we're on the wrong track and our best days are behind us because of the possibility that Donald Trump or another Republican could steal the election in 2022 or 24. What in the hell? Talk about a special kind of Trump derangement syndrome. This really is on on a new level of TDS. It's beyond the pale. It is spin so wild that you would think it was a joke. You would think it was the Babylon Bee. It's not. This is how the left side of the mainstream media thinks every day. And it just shows you Donald Trump is living rent-free in their heads. Speaking of Mr. Trump, uh, Mr. Trump's legal team filed a suit over the Mar-a-Lago raid wanting a special master appointed. Can we say special master? Are we allowed to use the word master? Because, you know, uh, we're, we're not allowed to use it in terms of real estate. You can't say there's a master bedroom because people think that you're a supporter of slavery, even though it's just idiotic to say that. But can we talk about a special master? It's reportedly someone who would oversee the evidence gathered from the raid, a non-biased individual. Donald Trump wants all his papers back until they get uh, a special master on this. He wants the FBI to stop going through the stuff. And they, they collected basically every paper they could find from his entire presidency that might have been at Mar-a-Lago. It's, I know, it's ridiculous. And shortly after the Trump administration files suit, then boom, a leak. We hear that the the New York Times is reporting there were more than 300 plus confidential, super secret, top secret documents. Now, how does Donald Trump file a lawsuit and then suddenly the DOJ found a way to leak to the New York Times. No, it's just silly, isn't it? It really is silly. These people, they have weaponized the Department of Justice. It's an embarrassment. They should be embarrassed. A couple other topics out there that relate to the Biden White House. By the way, Joe Biden's vacation time has now outstripped Donald Trump's, Barack Obama's, George W. Bush's. Never mind that the country's in a mess. Never mind that China's targeting Taiwan. Never mind the war in Ukraine that Russia's invading its neighbor is now into its seventh, seventh month. Never mind the country is being crushed. Crushed. There is a new poll out that shows that basically the misery index is now beyond what it was in 2008. The life index 
shows a record number of Americans are, quote, suffering more than in 2008. This cannot be good for Democrats. How can they think they have a chance to win the midterms? But they do. Trust me, they do. Uh, We also have the uh, inspector general's office saying that the Biden administration left more than $7 billion in military equipment with the Taliban. $7 billion. Imagine what we could have done with $7 billion for our own military. Or how it would have helped if we're so hell-bent on helping the Ukrainians had we maybe helped arm them. Because let's face it, a year ago we knew Russia was planning on targeting Ukraine. It was in the plans. It was not a state secret. $7 billion. It's really stunning, isn't it? Stunning. And meanwhile, on the southern border, we're seeing more and more people crossing illegally into the country. We're also seeing record levels of fentanyl. There was a massive discovery of more than 1,270,000 pills, fentanyl pills, crossing into our country. At one location, at one seizure, 1.27 million pills. Talking about wiping out a whole city. Just absolutely amazing. And yet we see nothing being done. No, they're busy in this administration, worried that they have to come up with a plan on student loan forgiveness and student debt before the 31st of August, because that's the deadline day. The latest scuttle is the administration is now looking at forgiving $10,000 worth of debt for people who make under $125,000. That's not going to make the squad happy. Now, the squad is, is looking for complete and total forgiveness of debt, and it's going to hurt the country if that happens. And people are starting to realize it now. People are starting to realize that if we forgive student loan debt, it's not good. CNBC had a poll yesterday that had some pretty telling information, and it should be a warning to the administration. But a new CNBC poll finds that many worry that canceling student debt could have some unintended consequences. A majority of Americans, 59 percent, are concerned loan forgiveness will make inflation worse. That's according to a new survey by CNBC and Momentum. The concern is that borrowers would have more money to spend, driving up demand, driving up inflation. Yeah, and that'll happen. And the same people who took out loans that they couldn't pay will only be emboldened to take out more loans that they once again won't be able to pay. It's a bad idea. But this administration needs votes, and they're looking at it as buying votes. And why is that? Because Joe Biden's approval rating is so bad. I know people are saying, but it bubbled up a little bit. It's come up from the 39% that he had. No, he's still in the worst shape of any president in my lifetime at this point in a first term. Even the guys over at MSNBC, the guy who rolls up his sleeves and has the, the big touch screen there. What's his name? Kornacki. He was talking about it yesterday. He was talking about just how bad Joe Biden's numbers are. Fine question we're always looking at here in midterm election years. The president's job approval rating, and you see Joe Biden in our new poll, 42% approved, 55 disapproved. It's been a few months since the last NBC poll back in May, 
And the change since then, really, no change. Well, actually, uh, 1% more disapprove of him. So Joe Biden's going nowhere but down. Biden's approval rating exactly the same in our poll toward the end of the summer as it was as the summer was beginning. And the key to this, of course, obviously, usually, historically, has been a pretty strong link between a president's job approval rating and how his party does during midterm elections. The only two times in modern history that a White House party has actually picked up seats in midterm elections was Bill Clinton in 98. It was George W. Bush in 92. Their approval ratings were both well above 60 percent. Biden's, you see, sitting in that zone where presidents and their parties typically have lost seat. Yeah, it's going to be a mess if history is our guide, and it should be. Crazy stuff. Absolutely crazy stuff. And the African-American vote, which has been so important to Democrats for so long, is now starting to awaken and see what this administration and what the Democrats having total control is doing. They're finally telling, even reporters on CNN, the last two years have been really tough under Biden and the Democrats. As a middle-class black woman, I don't see the push for the black economic community like really exploding. I think the message is being delivered, but I don't think the message is being captured in the way that we want it to be captured. What message is being captured, but not that last comment didn't make any sense. But it does make me kind of happy that people who defaulted their votes for the Democrats are finally starting to wake up and see that they have been had. They've been had in a very big way. A couple other things in the, in the woke news. An Australian bank has now said it will no longer make loans for new gas-powered cars. Hmm, that's a little bit of a nudge, huh? Forcing you away from a gasoline-powered or diesel-powered car, but they will loan you money if you want to buy an EV, never mind the fact that the EVs are worse for the environment. It's, it's really wrong. But I guess that's the World Economic Forum kind of pushing their agenda out there. A New Jersey elementary school canceled Thomas Jefferson, renamed the school for a black woman, a black woman who was one of the first to graduate from uh, that school, which is fine, but you don't cancel a founding father. Maybe you name the science building after the, the woman who graduated from that place. Hmm, just a thought. Uh, A judge has ruled that a trans woman, which is really a man who says they are a woman, must be allowed in a woman's prison. And the reason why is kind of interesting, because gender dysphoria, as it is known, the belief that you are a different gender than you are actually physically is um, is a disability. So are we now going to have transgender parking spaces? I mean, this opens up a whole can of worms. It's going to be a real interesting battle in the courts. Maybe we'll ask Wendy Patrick about this. Uh, also, I noticed this Associated Press headline. Now, remember, the Associated Press used to be the standard bearer for news and information. The AP headline reads, College students return to campus without access to abortion. That's the headline. 
What are we actually pushing? What is the purpose of college? Why are students going to college to get pregnant and then have a consideration of an abortion? Seems like AP and its friends have found a, an agenda they want to push. A couple of other sort of light news headlines here. Uh, Ferris Bueller's getting a reboot, but it's an idiotic reboot. They're going to try and make a follow-up to the more than 30-year-old movie. But the characters are going to be the two guys, the valet parking guys that didn't even have names in the first movie. Waste of time, waste of money. Don't do this. You'll lose money. But there's good news for Johnny Depp, who has signed on to return as Captain Jack Sparrow in the uh, Pirates of the Caribbean series, film number six. I'm sure he's going to get a paycheck bigger than most third world countries' GDP and good for him. Why wouldn't he? He deserves it. Mickey D's has announced they're going to do a new sandwich based on the Big Mac, but it's going to be two pieces of, of their fried chicken stuff, which looks really good if you look at the videos. But it's only going to be in Miami to begin with. It's a test market in Miami. Apparently it tested overseas, did very well. If you did it overseas and you couldn't keep it in stock, just get it going here. I guess they want to, they want to build out the uh, attention on this, the excitement on it. And you never know what you're going to find on a beach in Thailand. People thought they had found a naked, dead body of a woman on a beach, and they were taking pictures and calling the police. Turned out to be a sex doll. The whole thing is kind of weird. If you put it in your Google machine, uh, put dead body on the beach, it'll turn up. You don't want to put sex doll in your Google machine because, you know, you'll get all kinds of Unwelcome attention. And finally, men, if you want to spice up your sex life, the word is do some chores around the house. A new study has shown that women find the men who are doing chores around the house to be more attractive. And therefore, it results in more sexual congress. Good for you. God bless. All right. You know, we have our, uh, our friend uh, Jim Stovall who is the man behind the Winner's Wisdom column, and uh, we need a little inspiration. So Jim Stovall will be here next on the Pure Opelka podcast. I'm very excited about this week's discussion with our friend Jim Stovall when we get to talk about Jim's weekly column, the Winner's Wisdom column. And if you don't know who Jim Stovall is, you should. He's an author, a, a speaker, a brilliant speaker, but he's also the guy behind the Narrative Television Network, which allows people who cannot see or have vision difficulties the ability to enjoy television and movies. And uh, Jim spends time with us each week. Jim, I'm happy you're here because this week's column is one that uh, I just said, you know, I look to Jim for motivation each week. And this week you talked about motivation, but positive and negative motivation. Welcome back, my friend. Well, it's great to be back with you, as always. And this week we're talking about, uh, you know, criticizing the critics. And, uh, you know, in the, in the history of humankind, I don't think there's ever been a monument erected to a critic. I, and, uh, 
you know, I, I just uh, really question people that are against everything or they criticize everything. And, uh, you know, too often these are people that have never actually done anything. And we need to be very careful how we internalize those things. If you're starving to death and your best friend feeds you poison, whether they meant to or not, you will die just as dead. And I mean this in an emotional, mental sense where we've got to be very careful what we allow into our subconscious because we become what we think about all day. The, the, the great comedian W.C. Fields once said, it doesn't really matter what people call you, it matters what you answer to. And, you know, they can call you anything they want, but you don't have to accept it. And, you know, throughout history, and we recounted some of them in this week's call, and throughout history, some of the greatest people we have ever known of were criticized at a point when they were really fragile. You know, Marilyn Monroe was told by a modeling agency, either find secretarial work or find a husband because you're not <laughs> going to make it in this business. You know, and, you know, El- Elvis was told by a guy at the Grand Ole Opry, don't give up the truck driving thing because you're not going to make it in this business. And one of my favorites is the Beatles were told at, at, when they were newbies. I mean, it could have crushed them then. Uh, guitar groups are on their way out, and you have no future in show business. And if you can imagine being the individual that said that, and, you know, these are just examples of what people have had to overcome. It's amazing to me when you go back and you look at the list, and you only gave us a, a couple of them. I remember Oprah explaining that she was fired from a local TV station and as you're as you're being ushered out, they tell you, well, you're just unfit for television. And uh, the um, the the great story about Thomas Edison getting thrown out of Western Union and being told that that stupid light bulb of your ideas, I'm paraphrasing here, or will be uh, known as a conspicuous failure. And I wonder, Jim, as as powerful as criticism can be in pushing people down. It can also be an incredible motivating factor if you decide that it will be. Yeah, it can create fa- failure or fertilizer for your success. I, when I wrote my first novel, I'd written five or six other books, and I'd run out of everything I knew and a few things I only suspected. So when they wanted another book, I figured I better make up a story. And I wrote this story, and I went to see the publisher and they brought in the editor, and they brought in the, their lawyer. And, and I said, you know, I want to keep the movie rights to this myself. And the, the, the lawyer actually, Mike, I mean, he, he was laughing so hard, he was sliding under the table out of his chair. That's how hard this man was laughing at me. <laughs> that he said, can you believe? He said, you are so crazy to think anybody is going to ever want your first novel for a movie. So I almost got up and walked out on these guys, but then I thought, hold it, okay. I said, well, if I'm that crazy and it's that worthless, you won't mind giving them to me, will you? And he said, whatever, it doesn't matter. Well, time goes by, and that, uh, that book got turned into a movie that became a trilogy and four novels. And years later, I'm signing books at an event. And, you know, you listen, and I hear this voice, three or four people back in line, and I'm immediately back in that boardroom, and it's that lawyer. And he gets up to me and shoves his book over there, and he asks, what did that actually cost us? And I said, 
you know, somewhere north of a hundred million dollars <laughs> between that that book, the sequels, and the three movies. And he said, "Well, are you going to say I told you so?" I said, "I don't feel like I really need to. It just seems obvious at this point, doesn't it?" <laughs> and you know, and I think you know we need to be careful not only who we listen to, but what we say to other people. It's very, very important, and particularly those of us who were parents. Uh, you know, Churchill's father told him, you're not fit for the law or government service. Streisand's mother told her, you know, you're not pretty enough to be an actress, and your voice isn't good enough to be a singer. And, wow, those things can stick with you, particularly if you're a parent. And so... uh you know, be careful what you say and be doubly careful what you listen to because uh, critics, uh, they have no power unless you listen to them. Then they can control your life. But if you ignore them, they will go away and bother somebody else. Yeah, and that ties right into the uh, the great quote you gave us from W.C. Fields who said, it doesn't matter what people call you, it's what you answer to. And if you answer to critics then suddenly everything you are doing going forward is in the hands of the people who aren't doing but criticizing. And I know they're important, but in the end, it really is about each one of us individually. And, and that's the voice that we have to listen to while kind of listening to the voices outside. Yeah, I mean, uh, you have to, but... Uh just don't internalize them and take them too seriously. It really, really doesn't matter. We spend all our time worrying about what everybody thinks when really the only opinion that matters is the one we have of ourselves. That's absolutely true. His name is Jim Stovall. He is uh, the author of many, many books, over 70 books. But each week, the Winner's Wisdom column is what we discuss. And this week, Criticizing the Critics is a particularly wonderful column if you go to jimstovall.com and you fill out the little form, it'll show up in your inbox every week and for free, and then you can hang out, and Jim and I will discuss it, break it down, and do a little bit of a deeper dive. Jim, thanks for inspiring me every week, but uh, thanks for focusing that inspiration this week. I appreciate you. Well, I appreciate you, and I'm looking forward to next time. 